Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. The big word for today? Constellation. C. Yeah, the letter C. Where, where we do A and B. Um, We're just skipping? Well, Aries. Aries, okay. Yeah. What about B? Bees. Black hole. Black. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a regular C, space glossary around NC here. NC constellation. <laughs> little C or big C? Uh, little C and big C, but we're talking primarily about big C today, which, Franklin, what is big C constellation? Constellation is a big program, the big P here at, at NASA. <laughs> big C on the big P. What I like to do is, is kind of focus in on the transportation architecture of constellation, looking at the fleet. What's what's new at the next generation fleet going to look like in terms of spacecraft? In fact, we've been getting a lot of emails from NASA Edge viewers on, what's it, what's this uh, transportation look like, this architecture, or this fleet look yeah. like? Yeah. Uh, as you can see uh, in the video, uh, we're developing two launch vehicles. Uh, the first launch vehicle is what you see here. is called Ares-1. Right? And that's the launch vehicle that's going to take four lucky astronauts back to the moon. And one media nut. Well, maybe three in one meeting up. We'll, we'll have to see. So they're going to be launching down from Kennedy. And so, uh, as you see here, we have four lucky astronauts on their way into low Earth orbit. And then what we're going to have now is uh, we see the uh, first stage separation, which is going to be an SRB, which is a uh, fifth segment solid rocket booster, which is derived from the shuttle technology. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. That's okay, right. No, we're, we're talking about uh, SRBs later on in the show. Oh, that's true. That's true. And parachute systems. N that, not right. only that, that's a constellation spoiler. That, that is a, <laughs> that's a constellation spoiler. Yeah, we're, we're not spoiler free. Now, here now check out this. This is the Orion spacecraft that you see here. Yep. This is what's going to replace the shuttle. Yep. And take us all the way to the moon because the shuttle can't do that. That's right. You know, Orion is a small C in the big C. <laughs> That's true. Then we're going to be launching our next launch vehicle. And this is the heavy lift vehicle. This is called Ares 5. It's our heavy cargo lifter. It's the 18 wheeler of our fleet. You, I guess you could say that. It's the heavy duty. This will be carrying the lunar lander, the Altair lunar lander. And as you can see here, we have shuttle derived parts, just like from the space shuttle with the two solid rocket boosters. So this is basically like a kit. We're taking some old parts and we're, we're building a customized well, Why come uh, up with something completely new when we can use shuttle-derived parts that is space-proven? So good, good point. We can just adapt with to the new tweaks. vehicles. Yeah, with a few tweaks. That's right. right. We have the Earth departure stage. Brilliant. Providing a lot of thrust. Yeah, absolutely. Thrust is good, as, as you often say. That's right. And so key. now we see at the top of the Earth departure stage, we see the Altair Lunar Lander. And that Spacious. Altair Lander is going to be able to hold all four astronauts. Make yeah. it sound like an apartment. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's, it's spacious living in the future. Okay. And then the Orion spacecraft will rendezvous with the Earth departure stage that's carrying the lunar lander. But once they get in the lunar orbit, all four astronauts will be transferred from the Orion spacecraft into Altair to descend down to the surface where they're going to be exploring just like uh, Lewis and Clark did several hundred years ago. Absolutely. Gonna be Lu lunar Lewis and Clark. That's right. They're going to be learning how to live off the land. When you say living off the land for the moon, it does seem kind of weird because you don't envision like a farm situation up there. You might have lunar farms. I know. I you know, never I know. know. I know, but you, you got to think outside the box. Right. It's well, a system. No, inside the box because there's no oxygen up there. So you, you, your box has ah, to Ah, but we can get oxygen from the surface. So once uh, they're done with their mission, they're going to send back up and rendezvous with the Orion spacecraft. And now it's time to come home. So we'll have those uh, four astronauts coming home, coming back at, uh, at blazing speeds. And then once they uh, are ready to enter the Earth's atmosphere, they'll be in the crew module. Now, the question is, why are we using a capsule design as opposed to a new design? It works. Yeah, has physics changed in the last 30 years? I don't hey. think so. It sure did. Physics hasn't changed. And yeah, so right. uh, why, why come up with something new when we know we have a, a capsule design, a blunt body design, that works? However, the one good thing is, is it's bigger. 
so that we can take more people. And Absolutely. That is, that's important. That's true. It's, it's going to be important. much larger than the, the old Apollo capsule. So here we have, uh, let's see the capsule landing in the water. Because that's very exciting. Uh, obviously, it's inarguable. Constellation is one of the most exciting things out there. Right. Okay, but flash forward 10 years. Okay, 10 this years. is my question for you and Franklin. How is this going to work out in terms of conversation? You know, like now you'd say, oh, yeah, back at Apollo 11, we went to the moon. Is Constellation like that as terms as a title? Is that going to become the catchphrase of NASA? Or... Say it 10 years from now? Oh, yeah, we're going to the moon on Constellation 11 because there was Apollo and it was on the Saturn rocket. And, you know, there are all these different words. Right. Is Constellation that word? It's a good question because you like doing proposals. Right. When you come up with your proposals, make sure you have that system approach. Yeah, in, okay. In, well, hey, that. That, see, but that's a good point. Right. Because uh, Constellation is a system, right? But... Is there going to be that problem with, is it the Orion going to the moon or is it Constellation going to the moon? Can we just do a catch-all and say Constellation's heading to the moon? Depends if they call it that. Oh, okay. oh, oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, hang on. This is Sten. Okay. Yeah, Sten. Oh, good, good, good. But no, it's the leaves in the clear plastic bags by the curb and dry cleaning. The, that's it. No, I mean, it's still light out. You should be able to do that. Okay, great. All right. All right, thanks. Sorry, that's just Sten the intern. What's up with that? Uh, you know, everybody else has to turn their cell phones off. <laughs> no, that's Sten, and you're watching NASA Edge with an intern and an inside and outside look at all things NASA. Wait, Sten's doing a little catch-up work on the side. Is that so wrong? Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Hey, you know what? I, I really like that idea you had before break about naming the missions today. Well, well, thanks. I appreciate that, Chris. It's nice to be recognized. You see that, Franklin? And, and maybe we can pays off. We'll have a creative session. We'll kind of we'll kind of come oh, up with the idea and say. <laughs> well, I mean, finally, one of my uh, suggestions gets a little traction. Okay, you know, after. Yeah, I can take that. <laughs> So I tell you what, let's go ahead and look at the first Constellation project that we looked at down at Kennedy. We traveled to NASA Kennedy just to see what they're working on. Yeah, and they are working on a lot. And we focused on what's the first thing we uh, looked at there, Franklin. Very important, by the way. The LPS, or otherwise known as the Lightning Protection System. Yeah, which I got to admit, this came out of left field. I mean, as an as an outsider, I, I, hats off to NASA. I would never have thought that would have been an issue. No, no hats off to Benjamin Franklin. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. That's right. Yeah. Actually, it's pretty cool because, you know, you, know, you think about lighting protection systems, a lot of people take it for granted when, you know, the shuttle's on the pad or, or in the old days when the Saturn V was on the pad. I mean, there's a lot of storms going down in South Florida, so there's a lot of light strikes going on. So we need some type of system that's going to protect the new vehicles. Uh, why don't we take a look at the segment and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, let's do that. Why do we need a lightning protection system for the Ares-1-X and eventually the Ares-1 rocket? Well, obviously you're in Florida and rockets are going to be sitting out here during the summer. And in this area, we get thousands of lightning strikes every month, especially during the summer months. Get to the month of May, you may see 4,000 lightning strikes in this area. But once you get that, the next month, you go up uh, above 90 degrees and average daily high temperature, it ramps up to over 25,000 strikes wow. per month out here. You see that for the next three months, what we call the, or what I called in my chart, the window of badness. Where you don't want to, you don't want to try to be launching a rocket between June, July, and August. Regrettably, that's kind of where we're headed towards the wob. Even during the winter months, we, we still have a pretty good probability. So you need the lightning protection, like you see back here. I mean, the shuttle has one right, right. now. And one of the things we're worried about Ares One X is not it, not necessarily that you get hit directly by the bolt, but it creates a huge electromagnetic pulse depending upon the size of the bolt. And if that happens, we have to go do a retest of all our avionics to make sure that they weren't affected by this big 
electromagnetic pulse that you get whenever there's a lightning bolt. In the old days, there used to be this, this thing called the cone of protection. If you had that lightning mass sitting up there, you had a nice cone that protected everything right. underneath it. Like a well, silence. Exactly. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Max. And so, but we now know that that's a bunch of bunk, just like the cone of silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried. It never worked. I know. And, and so what we want to do now, there's this, the, the, the theory we now use called rolling spheres. And what that does is you want to provide as much protection as possible. So we're going to put the three towers up, and we'll string wires coming from each of them. And there will actually be a pentagonal opening over the pad that when the rocket lifts off, it'll fly through that opening. But it gives you much, much better light protection than what we have but today. What's, what's the purpose of the wires, though, connecting the towers? Well, they actually provide the protection. If the lightning tries to come down, it wants to get to ground as quickly and easily as it can. As lightning so, is wont to do. Yeah. Right. Go figure. Yeah. And so. So the wires actually give it that path to get the ground quicker and easier. Now, those wires then go from the towers down to a uh, flux capacitor? Right, right, like Marty, 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you say towers. Now, the towers themselves, because the Aries 1 rockets can be much taller than the shuttle. Oh, yeah, if you uh, if you look at the at the pad right now, and you can see where the, the Goxman arm is over okay. there, the Ares 1 rocket goes up another 100 feet above that. Now, what about for Ares 5, which is going to be our heavy lift vehicle down the road? Right. And that lightning protection system is going to be the same type of design, but much the taller. The same one you're seeing right here, okay. still 600 feet high okay. with the pentagonal opening from okay. the flight of that. So it's going to look similar to what you see right here when they get it full up for Ares 1. Now, how are you going to be able to build a structure that tall? I mean, what kind of crane are you going to be using? Okay, they're bringing in, there's like a handful of cranes big enough in the world uh, to do this. <laughs> it could be, yeah. From Transformer Planet. I, <laughs> yeah. But that actually takes about 18 to 20 truckloads to bring that crane in here. It takes two weeks to set it up and to break it down. And, and it's got at least, you know, what, what crane operators call stick. It's got at least a 600-foot stick on it because we got to get stuff up 600 feet in the air. Right. So they're huge, monstrous cranes. Well, I tell you what, John, we're looking forward to the Aries 1 uh, Dash X launch. So yeah, we can't wait. I mean, we've been, we've been, you know, Blair and I have been talking about this now for the you know, past six months or so. So we're going to be down here for the launch. Uh, maybe As we will can, I. we can, yeah, we can catch up with you, and uh, yeah, you can tell us more about One Dash X when we get close to. The Absolutely, launch. anytime, guys. If you could make it, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be, <laughs> be sweet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we can hook you up with the first row, you know, first you know, class seat. I'd be like very appreciative because yeah. I don't really know many people. Uh, okay. <laughs> as long as we stay out of the wall. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, and don't don't worry. We're we're going to try to stay out of the wall, but the the launch will take us where it takes us. It's, you and know how we are. For the wall. It's so, exactly why we're putting up the, the lightning mast extension right, so that we can deal with it. Window of badness. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what our wob factor is here is at the building. Well, I mean, well, Blair's our wob factor. <laughs> yeah. our lightning rod of controversy. Hey, I tell you. Hey, is that why our lightning rod protection is about 200 feet in the air? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that long pole right. was outside. That, that's right. Yeah, that's very high wob uh, here at our at, a, at our building here. New terminology: the wob factor. The wob factor. Yeah. Kind of like magnetospheric. Yeah, and it applies to a broad range of topics. We'll have to, to, we'll have sure. to keep about we'll to write that. One down. Yeah, and you books. know one, one thing else uh, John didn't mention, I, I need to chastise him this, he, the catenary wires. You know, I did some pre-research on the whole lightning protection system right. and, uh, you know, he didn't use the proper term. And that's from the Latin catenarius, which, you know, I thought would be important to bring. Oh, hey, Stan. Hey, actually, this is the second time that we've been doing the vodcast that he's actually used his degree on the show, talking about the Latin, you know, for yeah, catenary. Exactly. Thanks, sir. Appreciate that. What's going on? Um... Oh, nice job, Sten. I, I, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to discuss it. Hey, uh, I understand I had a chance to talk with Terry McGulgan. 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 He is the parachute uh, guru. Yeah, absolutely. And he was very knowledgeable of about everything. He's been working 
with uh, USA for quite a few years. The cool part is the whole team that he he had there, and they do the whole operation right there from the sewing and everything else. It's it's quite a quite a cool operation. Now, did you get an opportunity to actually get your hands dirty and go in there and start stitching and start making parts of the parachute? Or we touched the parachute. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't allowed near any machinery. <laughs> Was the WAP factor greater? WAP factor. The, yeah, they, yeah. They, they they have a different protection system when I walked into the building. Let me tell you. This is the parachute refurbishment facility. Its uh, purpose is to refurbish, repair, pack, and ship out the parachutes. And we're also working on the Ares parachutes as well. Uh, alongside of that stuff, we also do the orbiter drag chute, which is the parachute that comes out of the end of the uh, orbiter when it lands. It's like uh, a one-stop on shop for, right. for everything here. Sure it is. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between the SRB parachute and the parachute for the Ares 1X? Okay, the uh, SRB shuttle system parachute is 136 foot across when it's fully open, across the bottom. The Ares parachute is 150 feet across the bottom when it's fully open. You know, that sounds somewhat larger, but if you think about it as a 3D system, it's a much larger parachute. The SRB canopy, if it was laid alongside this Ares canopy, would come down, the skirt of it would be somewhere up here near the, the, the top of the blue section. So it's quite a bit larger parachute than the SRB uh, parachutes. And also we use new and improved materials. You see the gold material? That's Kevlar webbing. It's much stronger, about three times as strong as the nylon webbing we use in the SRB. And so you get more strength capacity and less volume and less weight. Is the larger size due to the fact that the uh, SRB for 1-X is larger? Yes, the booster for Ares uh, is gonna be a five-segment booster. Burnout weight for a current SRB is about 180,000 pounds when it's coming back in. The uh, Ares vehicle is going to be about 210, so we're bringing back a lot more load. Oh, SRB parachutes, the main parachutes fly 15 times to their certification limit. The Ares parachute, the original design is 10. That's what the uh, SRB parachute was originally designed for, 10 flights. We went and we tested it later on, found out it was better than we thought, and certified it for some more flights. That's always nice to find out you're better uh, at it. That's good. I understand that the parachutes, when they deploy, come out in stages. Right, we, we bring the parachutes through a stage of reefing, we call it reefing, and all we do is we constrict the opening of the parachute. Don't let it go full open all at once. That way we take all the load that, that is carrying there, we open the parachute partway, it comes open a little bit further, comes open a little bit further, goes full open, and you, you decelerate a little bit more gradually. You said that there's damage that can be done to the uh, parachutes. What kind of damage is sustained on that? The damage can come from deployment damage, or it catches on something uh, as it's, when it hits the water, they come down and they come down across the booster, they can catch and tear. The damage is not severe because the loads on the parachute are fairly low at that point. And so you have to go through and touch, test each stitch? After you... they, they don't test each stitch, but they inspect every wow. stitch on the parachute. No kidding. Uh, we want the parachutes to be effective in all stages, so that's mm -hmm. good. Absolutely. Yeah, you want them to work every time. I hear you got some laundry uh, facilities. I was wondering if I could throw a few shirts in if you're, if you're cleaning the parachute. It would get wet and come out and we would dry it, but it wouldn't necessarily get a lot cleaner. We, we do have a what we call a washer out here, but it's just a rinser. It doesn't... We don't wash or put any detergent in, so well, sorry about that. I it's guess a... dry cleaning's out of the question. <laughs> yes, it is.
Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. <laughs> hey, that was a pretty cool segment. And in fact, you know what we need to do? Uh, there's only so many shuttle launches left, you know, before the shuttle retires. Right. Well, that's sad. Why would you take the... Now, now I'm depressed. What we need to do is we need to go down there, get on the boat to go out there and retrieve the solid rocket boosters. Oh, now that is a great And point. see the parachutes. That is a good idea. Terry was showing uh, Franklin and I some footage of when those things land, and they actually right. send divers out to sort of sort the whole parachute thing out and inspect the damage on the SRB right. and everything else. That would be great. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to go under and, and, and help them out, you know? <laughs> the wa- yeah, bring the wob underwater next time. You know? like, take the whole thing and just sink it. Well, just know? exponentially uh, increase the factor by about about 100. Hey, can you know? we just uh, go for snorkel and call it quits? <laughs> yeah. you know? They'll have me in a wading pool on the deck of the boat that That's retrieves right. them. Yeah. I mean, as you know, uh, the Orion crew module, which, which I have a uh, model here, uh, you know, it's about two and a half times the volume of, as the Apollo. And you actually had a chance to go in the mock-up. And in a nice black suit. I mean, you look like Spider-Man. Right? Yes, I did. Venom. Ven- Venom. Venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Went into the suit, and you actually had a chance to lift some some things. And, yep. uh, and Franklin, uh, you'll be interested to know that I even made some headway into getting the Medianaut presence made on on the Orion. So, so hopefully we'll. And the yeah, cool hopefully. thing about it is, he did some exercises inside. Oh yeah. The mock-up that that will just blow you away. My limberness surprised even me. Hey, we're here with Brad from United Space Alliance. And Brad, what do you have uh, behind us here? Well, basically, we have a version of the Orion crew module made for motion capture. So what are these three people doing here? They are simulating the installation of um, the environmental control and life support system. We're learning new ways to more efficiently and safely do the processing for the next generation rocket. So it basically lets us test different ideas before we actually get down to the manufacturing side. They're wearing these special outfits here. I see these dots all over them. What's, what's that all about? They're reflective markers. The um, red cameras that you see around us are causing those markers to, or those dots to reflect okay. in order for the computer system to track, triangulate their positions. It's kind of like what they use in uh, video games. Uh, yes, kind of thing, right? correct. Actually, this is um, exactly what the movie industry uses to do a lot of their special effects with. We just repurposed it for our engineering studies. Well, what do you think? I mean, you know, I've got the physique, I've got the intellect. I've You'd rock. A... Yeah, okay. Well, well you, want, you want to try putting on oh, the suit? Absolutely. So Michelle is going through a range of movements, so you're able to determine what? Gotcha. We start off in a common position, something called a T-pose. Okay. And then from the T-pose, we do a range of motion. That way the system can know the distance between <laughs> oh, yeah. the ball as it travels through each of the motions. Gotcha. And then we, uh, at, after we do a capture, we can process that and identify the people to take it on to, for our next system. Normally, what types of tasks do you, do you perform here? In this particular case, the Orion module, they're going to be installing the environmentally controlled life support systems. Okay. Um, there are several components of that system to be installed on the wall. Each component has a certain weight and size. We right. mock up the sizes. We tell the actors, say, this is the weight that you have to give with. And they go through the motions of actually performing an installation. Okay. We can show size and fit and uh, probably the best process possible. When the capture is finished, we'll take the capture into something called a post-processing where okay. we'll actually go in and name the dots right. and identify the dots and give us cells. So each specific dot that's on their, on their body each it specific, has a name to it. Exactly, okay. each dot has a name okay, and a location. And then as it forms, the software knows 
the ergonomics of the human body and it begins to make the contacts. The names oh, gotcha. are very particular. LWT would be left waist, RWT right waist. Gotcha. You move down, you've got the toe and so forth. So we can essentially stick frame a body and perform or push it through the motions here. Because you can actually simulate any type of condition inside the, the Orion crew module in terms of, you know, moving components around, where they be, where they're going to be placed at. Uh, Correct. Not only that, but if we go in and do a simulation, and if a particular stance wasn't exactly correct, or, right. or if we notice a position that, hey, we know that's going to not be good, we have them change it right here on, uh, on the fly until we get one that looks good and make a recommendation to the processing staff for how to process. The other thing we can do is quickly change the size and shape of the weights right. that they're uh, working with. And this is putting the ergonomics or the human factor up front in the design of uh, any new processes that we could do here at Kennedy. Oh, cool. In particular, the Orion or, or the buildup of the Aries. We looked at the data, we processed the data, and yes. now we're looking at the Jack software. Tell me a little bit about what the software can do. Um, we're actually able to just go in and look at the different stresses that are occurring at different parts of the body during the task. Okay. Um, right now we're looking at the posture, and as this individual uh, executes this task, it actually shows when there's when it's going red, yellow, when when the risk is at the highest. So you can actually rotate this uh, 3D three dimensional. Yeah, you can thing. actually oh, rotate cool. it okay. to get different views. Um, there's the front view. Now, now I noticed on the, uh, the task analysis. analysis up there that it went from green to yellow, and actually it was a little bit of it was a little bit of orange there. So that means that their overall posture was at a risk. At that at given time. At that give, given point mm -hmm. in time. As it changes as he goes through the task. Right, and I, I see you know as you're moving around, it turns red. Mm-hmm. So is is the idea then that as uh, you're trying to move that piece of hardware uh, around the crew module, you want to uh, minimize that that risk as much as possible? Exactly, and that's get, our main and goal. And get it down to the green as much as possible. That's our main goal. Okay. Now, how long does this process take from um, from when where it gets into the, the mock-up processing to when it comes to you and get the final product? We can do it in as little as a week. It just depends on how in depth the task is okay. at the time. Now, Franklin, this was really cool what we looked at. Now, how's your back? Uh, much, <laughs> much better. Actually, it was it was more strenuous than than you realize because you've got to act like so. It's hard to, to imagine what a lot of weight. And then the whole. I wonder if they factored this in. I'll have to email them. The whole suit. I mean, you're wearing that suit. It's like a blood pressure cuff. I mean, I could hear, I could feel my heartbeat and my fingernails. I mean, you know, so I'm I'm holding that, and I don't know if that's giving you accurate readings. I know how Batman feels. That's. I am Batman. Hey, that's that's let me true. Ask you a question, Blair. How how heavy is a hundred pound object in space? Well, okay, that nice. Fair enough. It doesn't. It, well, it might have mass, but it doesn't matter when you're out there. But this isn't just but, for but, in space. This is the no, load. Th this in is loading in on Earth, and then when they start loading the equipment inside the Orion spacecraft. So the idea is of looking at this posture analysis is if he's you know, a member of the, of the technical team, he's bringing in equipment that he's actually using his, his back properly. Uh, I just want to clarify that this particular project, uh, project is not part of the Constellation program. This is a concept. This is an idea right. that USA is, is, is proposing. looking at. It's proposing. They're proposing. Right. They, what they want to do is say, isn't this a better idea than building a mock-up and trying a hundred right. different configurations? Which I think is pretty cool because you had a whole 3D gaming uh, yeah, engine involved. Yeah, I was like a movie star. It was really Maybe cool. one day you can play it you know, on your game console. Yeah.
but we do need to get to some viewer questions today. Oh, we do have quite a bit. In fact, Franklin kind of uh, educating our intern on the, okay. you know, the nuances of the show. So uh, Sten's going to give us Perfect. some uh, viewer mail when we come back from the break. Excellent. Sten will do a great job. And we'll see what we can do about answering the questions uh, from our viewers. Perfect. All right. You're watching NASA Ed. Hey, an inside and outside look at all things NASA. Hey, welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Hey guys, I want to officially introduce you to our trustworthy intern, Sten. Uh, that's an official introduction because earlier in the show, uh, Sten was... Doing very important work by with, helping out the co Which was uncalled for, very unprofessional. Totally uncalled for, but that right there, coffee getting, that's not good. Paying the dude. Brand new segment that we're introducing to the show here today, and Sten has been managing that program. Uh -huh. I just want to say... No notes. I'm, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to answer these questions on the spot, impromptu, if you will. Okay. Impressive. Should be. Go ahead. Sir. This is yeah, we can't answer the question. <laughs> what do we do? Just, what's that? We can't answer the question. We just tell them we're going to look for the information and get back. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I, I've already got it written down. I cannot. I do not know the answer okay. to that question. Okay. Please call back tomorrow. Okay. Go ahead. This is Ansley from Orlando, Florida. I was just wondering what adaptations will the body have to make in order for humans to travel to Mars and beyond? Thank you. Bye. That's a great question. One of the things that you have to consider when you travel through space that long is uh, loss of bone density. If you, if you don't deal with it, then when you get to Mars, you end up looking like Jabba the Hutt or something like that, a big blob. So you have to do some kind of gravity gravity simulation exercise to maintain muscle and bone structure. You know, milk does the body good. That's right. Yeah, you're going to be their screaming. Can they take cow? Well, you know, got milk. You know, a couple of issues though. Now remember, now we're looking at about a thousand-day mission going to Mars, and we're going to have yep. six astronauts cooped up in a small environment. So not only do we have to look at muscle atrophy and bone mineral density loss, but also... Personal hygiene. Well, personal hygiene, they have to be fit because what happens if they have disease or disabled in some way, how are they going to be able to cope with that? And then also the radiation effects. That spacecraft is going to be bombarded with not only solar radiation, but with you know, galactic cosmic radiation. So how is that going to you know affect the human body as we go to Mars? Check Dude. out the big brains on Chris. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> nice professor. job. Yeah. Good, good answer. Okay. Way, way to beguile the viewer with confusing uh, comments. Uh, next question, Sten, if you don't Oh, mind. by the way, if you feel not satisfied with any answer, just write us and we'll be glad to, you know. To, to elaborate further. Okay. Several months ago, I was looking at some pictures of the shuttle payload canisters with some students, and we noticed something interesting. It appears that the canisters are loaded with their payloads in the horizontal position, but when placed on the KMAG for transport, they always seem to be in the vertical position. Is there some reason for transporting them to the pad in the vertical position? And how do the canisters get rotated from the horizontal to the vertical position? Thanks. This is kind of a no-brainer. Vehicle assembly building. You just put everything in there, push a button, everything gets uh, corrected, and it comes out the right way. What do you think? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that just a... Uh... First of all, of how did this guy or? get to, uh, you know, how does he see this and notice all this detail? I mean, he must have some incredible access. I, I, I saw the payload 
trucking across the, the highway, but I don't. There's horizontal payload and there's vertical payload. In whatever facility that you're in, payload is laid into the payload canister horizontally. But then they just have a crane that that will lift that from horizontal to the vertical position. In the VAB? Not in the VAB, and depending on what processing facility that you're located in, okay. right? Then that vehicle will take it to the pad. Now the reason why it's vertical is because when it gets to the pad, there's only one mechanism, which is the vertical mechanism, that actually will lift the payload from the vehicle straight up into the canopy, where the rotating service structure is located. The payload uh, itself is only put in out at the pad? It's not put in in the VAB? Well, if, if it's a vertical payload, it's put in at the pad. Oh. If it's a horizontal payload, it can be put into the orbiter. At the orbiting processing facility. Yes, not shuttle, but okay. orbiter. Yeah. Right, Franklin? Yes. Right. Okay, okay, next, Stan. Since Expedition 1 in 2000, how many total meals have the crews eaten? Thanks. Oh, wow. How many meals? Well, first of all, let's answer the first part of that question. What's Expedition 1? Do you know, Franklin? Expedition 1, that's the ISS. That, was, that was the very first mission the ISS. Okay. It was Expedition 1. Okay. Well, let's see, three meals a day, 365 days a year. Almost becomes an equation. But you know some of those astronauts up there double dipped. <laughs> I mean, I know that you get a hankering and a little midnight snack action when you're on the ISS. You got to sneak in and, and that, grab an extra meal. Is that meal counted in that? I don't know. I mean, it is a meal. It is simple math that we're talking about, but it's a roundabout number when you get to your, your final answer. All right, Stan, All right, Stan next, next, next question. Okay. Last night, a lot of uh, my friends and I were talking on our cell phones, and everybody with AT&T and T-Mobile uh, cell phone signal died around uh, midnight last night. I was wondering if any of that magnetosphere or uh, solar storms happened uh, last night that uh, might have affected us down here in Texas? I'm, I'm certain that was magnetosphere. I'm pretty confident that that's magnetosphere. There was definitely an event because I saw it on the Space Weather Action Center. I usually check spaceweather.com, which is a right. great site for, right. for solar activity. Sure. And actually this past week, they did have a, a minor uh, flare, but it was mainly over Europe. It, it wasn't around here. Interesting. So, so the question is, I mean, we don't know for sure if it was due to a, a magnetic disturbance or a solar storm. Interestingly though, Two different cell phone networks had a problem. If it well, were just one, I wouldn't even that, I wouldn't even be true. talking about magnetospherence. Hey, Franklin, Sten, hey, those are great questions. In fact, I like that segment, the VVM. We got to do more of it no, down that show. There should be more questions. No, that's all we had, right? That's there, all I yeah. okay. Sten. Well, let's go ahead and wrap. No, we got one more. We have to have one more. Trust me. Sten, do we have one more? You got one more? Um. Oh yes, one more. Yes. Okay. All right, one more. All right, one more. Hello, my name is Genius from Mensa, and I was wondering, why isn't the co-host the host of the show? He's very intelligent, obviously very talented, and I think he should be promoted. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I, this very profound question. Why shouldn't I be the host of the show? Did you catch the name of that? Oh, yeah. One? That was Gene. Yes. You know Genius. what? He got busted because when he was talking into the into the phone, he got videotaped doing that. Let's roll the tape. What? <laughs> you got busted. I did not. No, yeah. I couldn't have. Hey, you're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. There's no video of it. That's crazy. You, That's just you, a good you viewer. You just admitted that you... I didn't admit anything. Why were you all red? It's because I'm hot in here. Oh, uh, okay. This is very hot. I'm t it's this coffee that's really kind of cool. You couldn't come up with anything better than that? It's Gene. Yes? Gene, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love this show. <laughs> All right, we're very fortunate because they're going to help uh, me actually configure a stowaway spot here in the Orion. So if I just make my way over here, 
careful not to damage anything because I have to live here for a while. And if I get in here and I nestle down here right in between the what might be the urinal and what I'm hoping will be a charcoal grill, I should have all the comforts of home and provisions to last me for six months, which is what I need to officially stow away as a media knot on the Orion. So if all holds, I'll be the first media knot in space. This is perfect. Diaper check. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. All right. Cut. Good. Oh, man, it is hot in here. 